Warm intros run the world. It's how humans translate trust with each other. If you want to break into a network, get someone from that network to vouch for you, and getting in is much easier. With that said, I don't know how this has happened, but in 2023, getting a warm intro has never been harder. There are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people aiming to get into very exclusive networks, and the warm intro model isn't effective anymore. There's too much noise for the signal. So if you are a professional, if you're someone that wants to expand your network, what is someone to do? Well, you could spend your time cold emailing, sending LinkedIn emails, and hoping one of 100 people replies to get to a coffee meeting that leads nowhere, or you could do something different. And today's episode is sponsored by SeedScout, which allows you to do something different. SeedScout is a platform that allows you to request introductions to other people on the network with a click of a button. No more sending long emails, no more sending, doing all this research, right? It's simple. You send an intro request. If they want to meet you, they accept, and you're instantly introduced. SeedScout is an alternative way to expand your network that gives someone more context than a cold email, but it's faster to achieve than that warm introduction. So if you are a sick of spending hours, days, weeks, months, even years trying to break into new networks and you just want to try something new, I would check out seedscout.com, S-E-E-D, scout.com. Let's get into today's episode and thanks for listening. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Andrew Terrio, who's the founder of Sibin. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. I'm looking forward to learning more about what you are working on. For people that haven't heard of your company, what is Sibin? What are you working on? Yeah, so Sibin is a civic technology company. We're building analytics tools for local government. Basically, our mission is to try to remove the technical barriers that uh, cities and counties face when using data so that they can serve their communities more efficiently and effectively. Well, so walk us through a little bit about how it works, maybe from like a government perspective, if someone wants to like use the products or, you know, yeah, an average user was to use it. What can they do with it? Um, how does it work? What does it look like? We'd love to go a little more into the details. Yeah. So Sivan uh, really dates back to uh, back in 2016, I was appointed the city of Boston's first chief data officer. So when I was there, you know, I led a team that was working on all different aspects of, of city government, everything from filling potholes to optimizing ambulance response times. So back then, I saw a lot of the potential benefits of data to improve city operations, but I also saw a lot of the technical challenges that we faced in actually implementing those solutions. So the model that you know is typical for local governments working with data is to take off-the-shelf commercial or open-source tools and then adapt them to fit our needs. And so for Boston, 
you know, that was a real, that was a real pain point. It took a lot of resources and time and people to do it, but we made it work. Uh, but one of the things I realized, you know, when I was there and especially afterwards, um, that model is tough for a city like Boston, but it's kind of impossible to make work for some place that doesn't have the resources or the staff that Boston does. So with Civin, the whole idea is to say, you know, how do we take the most common use cases that communities face and build solutions that are actually scalable and make that accessible for communities of all sizes? So just to give some examples, um, the first product we've developed, our MVP right now, we're, uh, as of May, we're in beta testing. Uh, we're aiming to release it this summer. It's a tool to basically provide access to publicly available data sets for local governments in a way that's customized to fit their specific use cases and removes the technical barriers to analyzing it and understanding it. So, you know, there are a lot of tools out there to access things for like the census data, um, but they're not specifically made for local government or for non-technical users. So what we've done is we've put together tools that let you access a curated set of that data that's specific to the ways that local government would use it, uh, layer on things for data visualization and mapping and over time trend charts, things like that, and do that in a way that actually allows for presenting the data at the levels of aggregation that local governments actually care about. So, you know, you can get census data at the census tract or block or block group level, but that's not actually what cities care about. What they care about is things like neighborhoods and city council districts and police precincts. And so one of the things we do behind the scenes is re-aggregate that data and push it up at the levels that, you know, cities are actually going to be using it. That's awesome. That's uh, I feel like that sol solves some core problems there. I'm curious, you went into a, a little bit of this, but I'm curious to go a little deeper. You know, you obviously have domain experience here. You, you've been in, in the government, you've worked, you've worked as a role in it. Like you could probably do a lot of things, right? But instead you're working on, on this, this is what you're focusing on. I'm curious, tell me about the origin story and like, why did you, why did you decide to focus on this of various things you could do? I always love to hear like, you know, I guess like why a founder does what they do. <laughs> Yeah, so so my background, um, I'm originally a political scientist. Uh, I did a PhD in that, graduated in 2011. And then I spent about five years working in professional politics. Um, so my last job before going to the city of Boston, I was actually head of data science at the Democratic National Committee uh, in DC. And so, you know, I've always had that kind of civic orientation to my career. Um, that said, after leaving City Hall, I actually went in a totally different direction and went and worked for Facebook for a while. Um, and I was managing a, an infrastructure data science team, you know, working on things like network traffic optimization and data warehousing and developer tools. And it was interesting, but ultimately it wasn't fulfilling for me. Like I am very mission driven. Uh, and, you know, I really felt like coming out of my time in government, uh, there was a lot more work that still could be done. And one of the things I wanted to do was to think about how do we move the level of influence beyond, you know, just what Boston can accomplish to think about how to provide those kind of benefits to the sort of places that otherwise wouldn't have them. Um, so part of the thing with Civin that was really interesting, you know, when I went into government, I thought, uh, you know, we should do everything in-house, we should build our own tools. By the time I came out, I'd actually changed my view completely. And, you know, at that point thought anything we can outsource, we should. And the reason why was that, you know, going in, I kind of assumed that money was always the limiting factor, but actually what I realized, um, it's people and particularly highly technical people. Um, you know, I had a fairly large team as these things go. I had about 20 people under me. Um, but even then, you know, it was even when I could hire highly skilled people, it was really hard to keep them around. Um, you know, anybody who's managed in tech, 
uh, we'll understand why you know trying to hire experienced data scientists and engineers for eighty thousand dollars a year in a place like Boston is going to be a really tough sell. Um, and what I realized is, you know, that's that's the best case scenario in Boston. Most places can't even have that. So it really doesn't make sense for cities to be doing this on their own. And you know, the reason we build software in the first place, why anyone builds software, is that there are problems that are you know common to a lot of potential users. And so you build scalable tools. And that's something that really hasn't been done as well as it could in the city analytics space. So, you know, with Civin, we want to basically say, how do we take the models of, of solutions that were done for places like Boston or San Diego or, you know, other major cities and make that something that's more easily generalizable so that, you know, we can make it accessible to places that can't afford to spend millions of dollars on an analytics team. I love it, you know, and if you were to look out into the future, like what does what does this all look like? What does the world look like with Civin as, as a large company 5, 10, 15 years from now? What's your big vision here and what direction are you rowing in? Yeah, so the the goal really is um well, if you think about, you know, the private how the private sector does data. Nobody has to convince the private sector at this point why you should be, you know, managing and analyzing your data and using it for your daily operations because at this point companies that don't do that are going out of business because other people are eating their lunch. Um, it's weird in local government because you don't have that same pressure. It's not like some, you know, competitor Boston is going to take over if the Boston that's there now doesn't do their job right. So, you know, the way the way I think about it is there's a real need for cities to innovate. And ultimately, um, with resource constraints being what they are, you know, tax dollars uh, growing at a rate that's not quite keeping pace with the cost of things like housing and you know health insurance and all that. Um, cities and other local governments are going to be really constrained and even more so over time, which means, you know, they're going to need tools to figure out how to better manage their resources. So for us at Civin, we want to be the people that cities and counties go to when they need help doing that. Because, you know, by, the, by and large, cities and counties are never, uh, other than the really large ones, they're not going to be building these large in-house teams like I had in Boston. You know, they're going to need outside support and we want to be the go-to folks. Um, I've heard some people say, and, and this always hits me a little weird, that, you know, oh, you want to be Palantir for local government? Um, and, you know, there are reasons why uh, that's a good model and reasons why it's not so good. Um, but ultimately, you know, we want to be the ones seen as the experts in this field and the ones who, when there are these problems that cities face, they can come to us to, to help solve them because we've done it before. You know, we understand their challenges, we know their capabilities, and we can provide them guidance that's more than just software. We can provide solutions. Yeah, I love it. I, it's, a, it's a great vision, you know, but in order to make it happen, like you'll need some help, right? It takes a village to make a startup work and yeah. scale. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you raising money? Are you hiring, looking for users, beta testers, partners? Yeah, so, you know, how can we assist? So there, there's really two things right now that we're focused on. Um, and we've been really fortunate. You know, we just finished the Techstars Anywhere Accelerator Program. Um, so that's, you know, really helped us kind of figure out our vision, help us build an MVP and, and give it, given us a good network within the tech community. Um, but there are two things that we're actually really interested in now. One is that we, we want to connect with innovative leaders in local government, especially in like small to medium sized cities and counties that might not be right now at the forefront of innovation, but they want to be. Um, you know, we have a good, really good network among larger, larger communities, um, but those small and medium sized ones, you know, if, if folks know uh, particularly innovative people in their local governments, I would love to connect with them. And then the second one, uh, you know, like any early stage startup, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges is always funding and especially in this environment. 
Uh, we're not currently fundraising, but we are planning to do that um, sometime around September. So, you know, we love to connect with like-minded investors who, you know, not only are interested in the financial aspect, but also really appreciate the mission we're moving towards uh, so that we can start building those relationships and be ready to raise when the time comes. And then if anyone wanted to connect with you, um, you know, for on any of those reasons or anything beyond that, how can they find you online? Do you have a website? Do you have social yeah. media presence, an email address? You know, how can someone connect and learn more? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to find out about the company is just go to our website. It's Sivin, C-I-V-I-N dot co, C-O. Um, you can also just shoot me an email directly, uh, Andrew at Sivin dot co. Um, you know, we're still at the early enough stage that I'm answering all my emails personally. So love to hear from anybody who uh, has some ideas. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Matt, for having me.